Welcome to the HR Matters Podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together with news and topics that really matter, as well as insights into the changes you can make in your organization today. This is for anyone who has a keen investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Marlene Fluch. Hello. Myself, Lisa Dempsey, and today we have a very special guest, Bernice Time. We are so happy to have you with us, Bernice. Thank you so much for the invitation. Happy to be here. Yeah. Do you want to give a short introduction about yourself and and what you do? Because you do so many fascinating things. (laughs) Sure. So I work as an inclusion strategist, as I like to call it. Um, I help organizations really create an inclusive culture. And by that, I mean really looking at how diverse are you already? Um, How can you improve upon your diversity? But then the really important part is is, needs to happen. And that is how do you create inclusion? Hmm. Because as we all know, and everybody's talking about it by now, so I'm sure it's no news that diversity without inclusion doesn't work. So... Hmm. Hopefully the listeners will not be shocked <laughs> when I say that. They should know this by now. Yeah. So I help organizations really uh, create an inclusive culture and make sure that everybody can participate so they figure out what needs to happen in terms of policy, but also in terms of creating equity within an organization so everybody can participate. And I do that by combining dialogue with training sessions, with strategy sessions, and and with team coaching, because I'm also a team coach. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love the the breadth and depth that you bring this work to. So I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we, we, we just talked about that before we started recording, but I'd love to hear a bit more is what uh for the for the organizations that you work with so far what triggers them to think we should really start working with bernice on this so the for the last six to eight months i think what the biggest trigger uh, has been in the netherlands at least i cannot speak for um, other countries although i hear it's the same there as well is that after the surge of the black lives matter movement Within organizations, it became very apparent that people were on different levels when when it comes to, in that case, something like Mm anti-racism. And conversations started happening where they uh, noticed maybe for the first times and maybe uh, leadership noticed for the first time that they were not having these conversations and it was making people uncomfortable and they felt, well, we are not well equipped enough to make sure that everybody feels safe and everybody has a chance to speak up and speak out. And um, and they feel we need to do something about this. We need to really work on making sure that everybody uh, can participate, that we create a safe space and that we do this together. And that is basically the question that organizations approach me with. Help us figure out uh, where we're at as as an organization, Mm -hmm. where we're at with our culture, uh, and help us have this conversation so we can do better. And that is basically the starting point, to share with each other and use storytelling as a tool, how you 
experience not only your life but also your work in the organization and that alone really opens up eyes and let people realize that wow you know i i i think i know my colleagues but i don't on that level Mm-hmm. And so they start connecting in different ways. And for me, that is the stepping stone to move forward, to, to really then look, look at, okay, but if this is what's happening and we're now realizing that not everybody is safe, what can we do to change that? Mm-hmm. And then take the steps to create policies and procedures and everything. So my pr- approach is really much the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And start with what is there, bringing that to the surface, figure out what is missing, what needs to be created. And then together with the team, together with leadership, find solutions for that. Because every organization is different. Every combination of people is different. And what works in one organization will not work in another organization, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you need to respect that. So the context really is important. And what I like to do is then work with leadership to create the the policies that fit. And then you combine it already with the commitment you created during those dialogues you started with. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is an approach that really leads to results that people not only commit to, but that will last because people will come up with the the solutions and and the policies themselves. Right. So when you start bottom up, they'll they'll find what works for their company rather than you imposing something. Uh, that exactly. Is, it's it's not one size fits all. It's customized for for the fit for the organization. Exactly, uh, and it's also it's and and sometimes I applaud organizations for their ambition. So they approach me with, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to change HR, and we're going to change the interior of the building and we're going to change everything. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, Thanks. okay, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Cool. You're so ambitious. Yes. <laughs> I applaud you, but do you actually know what, what, what the people in your organization are saying? What, what, right. what is their problem? And then there what is do some they kind of, need? what do they actually need? Exactly. And then there's a silence. And, and then I say, okay, maybe you should start there. And then, figure out what it is that you need to change in your HR, what it is that you need to change within your building, what it is that you need to change within your marketing and what, and so on, you know? I love that. Yeah, that, that sounds like the, a key element in, in, uh, in, in taking this on, in, in doing all this is figuring out what's going on. And, and yeah, tell me a bit more because you, you mentioned storytelling there as well. And what is that what is that step that you that you take them on yeah so um i like storytelling because people can share as, as much as they're comfortable with so i never force someone to really go into a place that that is is painful because you're still in a work environment and especially when there's not a lot of safety you don't want to go in and say okay let no now share your most painful experience mm-hmm. that is not okay so always with respect to boundaries that people have for themselves, but I can step in into an organization and say, okay, this is happening uh, in the outside world, or even this is what I experience. Um, I use myself and as an example all the time, mm-hmm. but still I am a stranger mostly to those people, although we may have multiple sessions. 
But if a, a colleague that they work with for years and they see every day, even now on Zoom or Teams or whatever, and they share a story that has a different impact about how they might feel in some ways excluded. And every time that happens and, in, and people share those stories, you get to the level that normally in your normal day-to-day, you don't have the time for literally because we're hired to do something in an, in, an, in an office or in an organization. And most of our interactions are work-related. And by sharing these types of stories, you create an understanding and people are more willing to go the extra mile to make, to make those difficult changes and figure out what is happening. You know, these are difficult topics. You know, Lisa, you gave that brilliant example about going to the gym. You don't go to the gym one time and then expect to be fit. And it's with this this topic as well. You need to have a lot of conversations. We all have lived different life. We all have other lived experience. And yeah, you cannot just expect people to go after one session. Oh, yeah, now I've figured it out. And I know everything and everything is going to be different, right. you know, it is like really retraining your brains when it comes to things like unconscious bias and mm. realizing your brain makes shortcuts. You cannot just un- unchange, in my case, 45 years of, of training that my brain has gone through and then expect in one time, yay, now everything's going to be fine. I've, I've had one your brain session in with one Mario afternoon. Lang yeah. and with Lisa. I <laughs> yeah. get it now. Now my brain is going to function totally different. <laughs> right. Right. Now that I have all of this beautiful information, my whole world has changed and all of my behavior and no, all of the wish, things I that I'm... It, I wish it was. I wish it was. But no. No. What is so apparent from how you view this and how you work is how respectful that is. Because it's very respectful of human brains. It's very respectful of, of an existing organization and how they how they run it. Um, and it's very respectful of people's individual stories. Um, Absolutely. And I think that is the key element is that, you know, um, I call myself a systems thinker. So I use mm-hmm. constellation work also and really look at the system as a whole. And you cannot just change systems from one day to the next and you need to have respect because there is a history there and as much as we want to change history because some part of it may be awful and painful and traumatic um, it's still part of the system and as soon as you try to shut that part out the system will um, make sure that you don't forget because systems want to be want to become and stay whole and that is basically the basics of trauma work as well. And in, in family constellations, you see that also. As soon as there's a family secret and that nobody talks about, you see that that it pops up within um, within a child or within a nephew or not, something. But we're not going to go into that because it's a whole <laughs> different topic. Um, but the, the, the essence is, is that systems want to be whole. So you need to be respectful to whatever happened, even if it's not such a pleasant history. And if you can have, um, yeah. if you can stay respectful towards that, but also bring in new 
and new energy and a new direction, it's about combining the two. And then you can move forward, bringing with you all that you already have built. And I think sometimes we're trying to erase history, which is not possible. We need to respect history, I think, but make sure it doesn't happen again. And you can only make sure it doesn't happen again if we can have open and honest and frank conversations about what the effect was for everybody in the system. Mm -hmm. And if we start realizing that there are different effects and then we can take measures and make sure that we counter those different effects and try to um, make sure that, how do you say that, when we talk about equity, uh, that everybody has a chance to participate successfully, then you can transform that negativity into something positive, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that is the essence of this work. It's, it's, it's not trying to erase it or punishing. It's trying to take something that was maybe not so good and transform it into something uh, positive and, and I want to say beautiful, but I'm not sure that's the right word, but at least something that we can take into the future. Yeah. And 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 create new and make room for innovation. I think. Yeah, constructive, future-proof. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When I hear an essence, a real essence of you know, by by not trying to sweep that history under the carpet, not trying to erase it and and make it go away, it gives an organization, it gives that system, it gives that culture the opportunity to genuinely own it. And then they also get to own the narrative. There's something really empowering about it. Even if it was something that was unpleasant, it was uncomfortable, it had an impact that they didn't want to have. When you can own it, it gives you the opportunity to actually do something meaningful with it. You know, so it, it may not be beautiful, but there's meaning that can be brought from that. And I think that's so incredibly powerful. And I think that's such a really it's a strength in, in the approach that you bring of let's first start with the practice. Let's first start with the conversations. Let's first understand what, what are the meaningful things that are happening inside the system. And then from there, we will figure out, you know, what policies, what other things need to be written in order to try to keep that alive. But let, let's start yeah. with the stuff that is happening in real life, <laughs> not, not the pretty the posters on the wall and not the pretty policies that are running. That yeah. are- <laughs> Because in the end, everybody wants to have pretty posters and pretty pictures on the website, which is okay, which is okay. True. <laughs> but you need to start at the at the at the beginning and with respect to, to the past, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what I'm thinking about is that there will be people listening that think. I really want my organization to take steps in this, but I don't have everybody on board yet that needs to be on board. Are there things that you could that you can offer to help to help those people and those organizations to develop towards, okay, let's do this? Yeah, definitely. Um, what I see happening is that, like I said in the beginning, Black Lives Matter happened and people responded differently. And what I see in a lot of organization that triggered like forming of committee in mm-hmm. any way, shape or form. So a bunch of people getting together and then they really make sure that the topic stays on top of the agenda 
They um, might even be the ones who reach out to me and say, okay, we need help within the organization because we are just, I don't know, we just have other jobs mm-hmm. and we're not skilled to do this. So my first advice would be to to get people around you because if you do this by yourself, it, it is just too much and you need mm-hmm. people around you to, to vent <laughs> and to also divide and conquer, I think. But if you surround people uh, around you and you can have like a bunch of people, maybe three or five, three to five people, then you can have uh, conversations about, okay, what do you experience in the organization? And it would be great if those people are also on different levels and different departments. So there's diversity already within within the committee. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you need to get buy-in from leadership because otherwise nothing is going to happen. And yeah. Um, I've talked to people from these committees who um, don't know how to get the buy-in from from the leadership because they don't know how to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is already the point that you get someone in from um, from outside to help you get get those conversations. But hopefully, managers and and, and founders and CEOs already understand that they need to do something about this. <laughs> so that won't be a difficult conversation. So that would be the next step to get leadership in. They they understand that um, there's something happening and they need to address it. Um, and then the two basic things are time mm-hmm. and resources. And resources can be uh, money to, ha- to hire people like me but also um, other resources, um, making sure people have access to information, get them videos or books or whatever that is that they they want. Mm -hmm. But really make a visible commitment, I think, that this is something we want to change. It is something that we're going to put our time and effort in. Mm -hmm. And that creates trust. And that is the key thing. You know, people won't open up and won't share these difficult things if if they feel nobody's going to listen and nobody, nothing's going to be done when I share this. Mm. So the, the visible commitment and, yeah, let, let put it bluntly, put your money where your mouth is. So I'm not saying, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to back you up with some resources. Mm-hmm. Um, that creates a sense of trust and people are willing to to open up also. So they, those would be my first, yeah, would be my first advice for people who want to start on this journey. And, and besides resources like money, and people underestimate how much time it actually takes. Mm. So you need time to have these conversations. You need time to go into the workshops and then you need time to, after the workshops, when you figured out, okay, we're gonna do A, B and C to really create A, B and C and evaluate your procedures. Yeah. And let it percolate the- and sink in and exactly. let people's brains process exactly. it. And- yeah. And and one of the key elements and that always comes out of, of sessions is that we need to slow down to make sure that we don't fall into the same uh, traps all the Mm -hmm. time. So we need to slow down to ask for more perspectives. We need to slow down to uh, give people a chance to to really digest information because we all do that Mm -hmm. in a different way. All kinds of reasons to slow down. And slowing down is like, 
the complete opposite of most of the worlds that people work in. You know, we need to uh, reach our KPIs. We need to hit those deadlines. We need, everything goes in warp speed and things even seem to have gone even faster during the pandemic because we're all online and we're so efficient that things seem to go even faster instead of slower. So the, the element of time is, is one thing that I find is most underestimated. So people are starting to get, okay, I know I need to invest money in, mm-hmm. in, in hiring people, in, in, in creating spaces, in whatever we are willing to spend the money. But spending the time is even harder and people don't seem to get that, that you can spend all the money that you want, but if you're not spending your time, yeah, it's still not going to work. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so important because it yeah, is, exactly. it, it is that and flexing I wish of that I muscle, right? I so wish I yeah. could go to the gym yeah. once a month and still be super fit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! I wish, I wish, I Wouldn't wish. Wouldn't that be lovely? No, that doesn't happen. You need a bit of time. Yeah. No, cannot create right. that. I'd plan. sign up for that plan. Just go to the gym once a month, and then everything will be fine. Yeah, and it's the same with this. Right, we'll be perfectly healthy. Yeah. And what is it? What is the the most important way that you help organizations to really make Ooh, that? Time that's my biggest and, challenge. And actually, slow mm-hmm. down. You know, that is my it, biggest it challenge is um, because yeah. I'm maybe I'm lucky, but I, I encounter right now a lot of organizations who are willing to do the work. They're willing to be vulnerable, even stay in the awkward and in, in, in bold conversations. They're willing to spend the money because they're hiring me. Um, but then getting on their schedule. Wow, that is a big challenge. And not only for for myself, but also for them internally to like I said, to take what they they come up with as solutions to really take that further and really embed that in the organization. Mm. Um, that is a big challenge. And the only thing that I can do is be their um, sounding board, but also be their mirror that next time that I talk to them and I ask, okay, how are you doing? And they haven't done anything that yeah. also makes them feel awkward because they want to, you know, they, they're, they're really excited. And then they have to say, yeah, we had a project and we had a deadline and we were busy. And so I, that's my main, the, the, yeah, my main job maybe also to make sure that I'm the, the policewoman. <laughs> hold them accountable. Yeah, yeah. Who holds them accountable? Yeah. That that really helps. But yeah. even with the long projects, of course, I'm not gonna stay there forever. So I really try to incorporate in my work as well that they uh, not only figure out solutions but also ways to hold themselves accountable mm. because that is a big challenge. Like I said, you know, retraining your brain to not just go with all the shortcuts that it created. Um, it takes time. And you need to be hold, and you need to hold yourself accountable, but you also need to hold your colleagues and your friends and your family members accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a challenge. And there's no easy, there's no quick fix for that as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> as soon as I found I find one, I'll put it on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> You'll share it with the world. Well, I, I think- found it, people. I found mm-hmm. the quick fix. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, but I really, I mean, I, what I appreciate about what you share in that, Bernice, is, you know, there's, there's a real act of courage uh, on your part to hold the mirror up to the organization saying, right, you came to me with these ambitions and these ideas, and we've uncovered these important things. And now it's really yeah. time to bring them to life. How, you know, where is this going to fit in your agenda? And what is the impact of the inaction maybe having? Because I think that's, you know, that, that accountability part, gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard, I think, in, internally yes. to yes. For organizations to hold themselves accountable until they have really strong muscles, right? Going back to the metaphor of the gym until, you know, until they've become, you know, superstars and they have yeah. these giant muscles of inclusion. Yeah. It's, it's hard to hold yourself accountable inside an organization. Yeah, but we so do know how to hold each other accountable when that. it comes to the simple stuff. You know, we have Excel sheets and we have KPIs. And if you don't hit your KPIs, everybody knows what happens. You know, you don't get a good evaluation. You might not get a promotion. So we do know how to hold each other accountable, just not for these things. These are not yet KPIs. I know. So that's also what I like to stress is that if you don't change what you hold each other accountable for, you need to build in an incentive. So, and also um, if you're going to change the culture, but you're not going to change the KPIs, then it's also not going to work. So you really, really need to translate this into every step of your organization. And then I think you will have a fighting chance to really make lasting change. That's what we're after. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Just to be clear, that's what we're after. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bernice. You have have given so many just really powerful and, and practical insights that, you know, I really hope that, that our listeners, wherever they may be in their organizations, can take forward as ideas. You know, I love that idea as well about the, the committee. You know, if you're feeling you're feeling drawn towards this, but you're not feeling the mm. momentum inside of your organization, your allies, create yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Bernice. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. And thanks everyone for listening. You can listen to HR Matters directly online. It's also easy to find us on your favorite podcast app, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and make sure you subscribe so that you're the first to learn about new episodes and the latest topics we've been talking about. And we'd love it if you could give us a rating and review or share your feedback and topic requests. We'd really love to hear from you. What's on your mind in your workplace? Let us know. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.